he singled her out of the crowd at Homestead Manor in England and said, you're going to China. And I was already planning, and I went to Asia in 78 in a, a, a band. I toured Asia in a band, played the guitar, trumpet, and sang, not all at once. But uh, toured, toured Asia and saw, I saw for the first time people bowing before spirit houses, and it shocked me. I thought, how can this be? I stood on the top of a Hong Kong seminary uh, and saw the lights going off, and I thought, how many people don't know Jesus in the city? And it wrecked me. It ruined me. So my first trip overseas sealed the deal for me that I was going to come back and prepare to go and give my life uh, for that region of the world. And as a result of that, it's taken me to over 50 different countries. And most of the times it's been sitting in a group about this size talking about missions and talking about how to go to unreached peoples or to go into what some would call pagan areas to, to see the gospel shared. But here's, here's what, it led us to move to China in 89. By the way, I tell a lot of stories, so just get ready for some of that. Um, when we moved to, to China in 89, we had three little boys. Uh, our fourth son was born while we were living in China. He was born in Australia. Uh, so three of our kids were born here, and then... Uh, Luke was born in Australia, Hannah in England, and, and Isaac, our youngest, was born in Thailand. Um, so, but in China, there was a quest to understand um, the needs there, and, and we, we knew that there were orphanages, but we ended up finding an orphanage after we moved out and were replacing people in China. And, um, and, and during that time... Uh, as I saw these little kids that were literally dying from lack of love and attention. They had one worker for every 25 children in, in, a, in, a, in a room. And uh, in, the, in the toddler area, they were sitting in, in little chairs that uh, had a hole cut out at the bottom of it, and they were tied to the chair because the one worker couldn't take care of all of them. And that hole was for that that child to be able to go to the bathroom in the chair without soiling their clothes. And I wept when I was first in there. And, and, and as a businessman, that's my background is business. As a businessman, uh, they let me into that orphanage and we got to transform that place. And as we began to share the story of orphans in China, I saw something click in other people. If you can get God's heart for orphans in another country, you might be able to get God's heart for the orphan that's inside of you. So some of the things you talked about are, are things that have to do with what is going on inside of you. And God's heart for the nations, for the unreached, might just open you up for him to reach into the unreached portion of your heart. So my expectation is, as Jesus is in this room, wherever two or more are gathered in his name, he's there, and we're gathered today in the name of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Jesus is certainly in this room. So I, I feel like I've got a bunch of ropes, ropes of hope, where in our time together, 
And I would ask you to be doing this with me, that I'd be lowering you into the presence of Jesus. Mm. That you wouldn't just be getting his heart for the nation, mm. but you can't give what you hadn't got. Mm. You've got to receive what you need to give. And if you can really fully receive God's heart for you, then you can give his heart to others. Mm. Right? Yeah. I'm very interactive, so I'll be asking questions. Some of you, I'm not. I love it. You you already know some things about yourself. Some some of you said uh, some of you that said I'm a processor or I'm processing. Is that is that verbal, verbal processor? Okay. And uh, and Hunter, you said something about processing, right? So some of you process verbally, and others process internally, and it takes you a while to come up with your questions or words. So you'll hear me say at the end of each session. I'm going to go, anybody got any questions? Uh, and you know, some of you verbal processors probably go, yeah, I've got something right off the top. But those of you that take time to process internally, during the break, write down your question because the first question we get back together will be, does anybody have any questions or comments? And so you can throw yours out there at that time. Right? But I love the interaction. You know, my, my struggle in this building here, and I, I'm, I'm going to tell you the story of this property. It, it'll blow you away. YWAM's at the, at the heart, at the beginning of even this property. YWAM teams like, I think Chelsea, Aaron Hurd was in that team that came to, to uh, back when we were meeting at Burger King. They, their team walked on this property, walked around this property and prayed over it. And that was long before we had a building here. Um, um, but in this room, <clears throat> my struggle is how to get the journey into the room. How did Jesus teach? Did he tell everybody, come in, sit down, and shut up? <clears throat> what are some of his methods of teaching? I need some water. <clears throat> There's a, the, the bottles in the... Mm-hmm. Just give me a bottle. Thanks, Chelsea. Uh, by the way, I feel great. I'm just a little bit tired. Um, uh, so, how did Jesus teach? Parable. Questions. Questions. On the way. On the way. At dinner. At dinner. <laughs> yeah, a lot yeah, of meals. Breaking bread. Yep. Yeah, was it wasn't formal or structured. Yes, right. By example. By example. Super spontaneous. There, there was a spontaneous nature to it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I want you to enter in with me as we talk about this, okay? Let's go to a... Are y'all okay now? Mm-hmm. Everybody awake? Because I, I can do some things that will wake you up if you're not. Tell your soul. Say, soul, wake up. Soul, soul wake up. up. That's it. Talk to yourself. Just don't talk back to yourself. <laughs> you say soul wake up soul, soul wake, wake up. up that's right so uh, you, you want to be ready for what, what God got for us right now we're going to jump in I think we're going to start with a good solid um, command invitation from Jesus let's turn to Acts chapter 1 if you would. by the way <clears throat> As I said yesterday, Scripture, uh, is, those are the source of our encouragement. From Romans chapter 15, verse 3, it actually talks about 
uh, scripture being the source of our hope. And uh, when I said yesterday, SEC, scripture was the first part, part of that. Each other, which ties into what we were talking about, knowing who you are and knowing who those are around you. It, it, it says in Romans 15 that, that they were to walk in unity together. And so hope comes from us walking together. And, um, and the third was the coming of Jesus. We kind of went into that yesterday. But scripture is really important. And it's, it's come under attack in, in these days. And I guess it has been for all time. There have been places and times where whole uh, Bibles have been burned. Uh, the scripture has been burned. And, uh, and so the, the Bible is very important to me. And that's the reason I love to talk. Some, some called this week, have called this week uh, the biblical basis of missions. And I like the term the missions basis of the Bible. Okay? That's, that's really where we find God's heart. So let's, let's go to, to Jesus, who's the full revelation of the Father, full revelation of God. Let's turn to Acts chapter 1, and let's read something there in verse 8. Somebody read that out to us. By the way, I use the Holman Christian Standard Bible. If you're trying to figure out where I'm coming from, that's, that's, that's mine. Verse 8, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Well, we know what the Great Commission is, right? Matthew 28, 18. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all, all people, baptizing, teaching them, baptizing them in, in the name of the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Well, somebody read verse 8. This is a good, strong statement that Jesus made right before his going up into the heavens. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's a strong statement, Power. Have you ever watched those movies where somebody's dying and, and they're they're just about to die and everybody comes around quickly? What what are they what are they waiting for? The death of the last one. Right before the death. The last words. The last words. The last words. Why? It's going to be important. If they're going to say something, this is going to be important. Now, this is not before his death, but it's before his ascension. So you know that he's he's summing something up for us right there. Somebody else read it in a different translation. What translation? Okay. ESV. Try ESV. Go for it. Um. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right. I want you to summarize that verse for me in one word, and we should have a bunch of one words. Go. Go. Okay. Come on. Power. Authority. Resources. Everywhere. Destination. Okay.
to me. I've heard that one before. That's good. Anybody else? I was going to say share. Share? All right. I'm going to start fishing now because I've got a, I've got a word I'm wanting you to get. Don't, don't say it if you know that, if you've heard me do this before. Kelly almost said something. Are you remembering something I said? No. I, okay. I was going to give. On. Give. Mm, receive. Receive. This is two words, but I think it needs to be mentioned. Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Amen. It's a proper noun, so yeah. it's just one. Yeah, there you go. One being. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Good. Peach. Peach. Eternity. Trinity. I'm going to say time. Time? How time? When the time comes. Oh, gotcha. Good. Fish, Johnny. What are you looking for? Well, actually, that was probably the closest to what I'm thinking about. Look, the word that I'm talking about starts with a P. So let's see if that draws it out. Preach. Preach? That's good. People? That's great. Present? Oh, man. Carter's at prom. Who said that? Carter. Lily. Carter did. Lily. Did you say Carter? Yeah, her last name is Carter. We just Lily. Okay. No, it is Lily. Uh-huh. Okay. Either one. You said prophecy. There it is. How is this a prophecy? It does tie into time. Well, it says, the King James Version says, but you should receive power after. The Holy Spirit comes upon you. Okay. So something had to happen. Something had to happen. Mm-hmm. It says you will be. I Whoa! And who said that? She does. If Jesus says you will be, you can bank on that. Be. That's going to happen, right? <laughs> so, so we said everywhere in destinations. Let's unpack that a, a, a bit. What do you see in the destinations there? What are the destinations? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and at the ends of the earth. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Do you see the concentric circles there? It's interesting the the way that lines up. You be faithful in Jerusalem. What's Jerusalem got to do with them? What? It's their hometown. Be faithful in your hometown, and God will increase your boundaries. Okay? So if you're trying to understand where you're supposed to go, 
Just be faithful where you're planted, and God will increase the boundaries. He will stretch out the tent pegs. Yeah. Right? I've bumped into so many people in missions that are running away from their hometown. They say, I don't like my culture. I want to go to another one. And then they try to pick up another culture, but the problem is they never own their own. So I would like, Lily, I would like to talk a little bit about different cultures, even different philosophies that you might encounter Mm -hmm. in different uh, places in the world, because they're so different. Mm -hmm. There's such a variety that's there, Mm -hmm. right? Faithful in your Jerusalem, you can, he'll, he'll stretch out your Judea into your Samaria, which is just outside that region, and then ultimately to the whole earth. Everybody say whole earth. Whole earth. Okay, so the destination is everywhere. Mm -hmm. It is everywhere. So God says, Jesus says, you will be my witnesses. Mm -hmm. You will be. That is a prophecy. And if Jesus says it, you can count on it happening. What do we know about the disciples? What happened in their lives? They went, they went, they scattered. Mm-hmm. Who went to India? Uh, uh, Thomas. Thomas did. Thomas went to India. Established a church in India. You'll find that they scattered all around. So uh, it did happen with them. But because it's a prophecy, it changes the game. Matthew 28, 18. Somebody read that. Matthew 28, 18. What do we call this? The Great Commission. Now, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody, y'all, but that is actually one of our passcodes here. If you need to get into a room that has a lock on it. Uh, Some of them have have 2818. And the reason is because it's the what? Great Commission. Great Commission. The authority to go in there. The authority to go in? Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. You've given me the authority to go there. Whoa, come on. Yeah, right. So Matthew 2818. Okay, my mind is going. Okay. So, so Matthew twenty eighteen is a great commission. What's implied in that? If it's a commission, it's a command. So, how many of you got involved in missions because you heard God saying "go," or you heard somebody preach about "go," and 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 you said, "Well, I'm going to be obedient. I'm going to go." Have you heard that message? Okay. Uh, you know, sometimes that can come in the form of the crack of a whip. Get out there, boy. Get out there, girl. Their blood will be required at your hands if you don't. Right? Or, or sometimes they kind of like throw a lasso or a lasso. What do we say in the States? Is it lasso, lasso. or lasso? Lasso? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Lasso in Australia, I think it's lasso. 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 Yeah. Is it is. Yeah. In Canada, is it a lasso? Okay. So. We call it a lasso. I'm a Well, there you go. Have you ever felt like you're being pulled into mission? Crack of the whip, pull of it. And, and behind it is what we perceive as a command. But I want you to, somebody, you, you're going to read that for us. Sure. Let's Just read. verse 18? Verse 18, maybe 19. Okay. Then Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, uh, make disciples of what? All nations. All nations. Everybody say all nations. All nations. You just said the whole world. And remember, if you can get God's heart for the whole world and all nations, you might be able to see his heart for you in the unreached places of your own being. Okay? Or in the heart of the person sitting next to you. Because this right here, this circle is our Jerusalem right now. So bloom where you're planted. Right? So what, looking at Matthew 28, 18, what, by the way, I am learning to teach and preach and speak out of what I'm calling Sabbath. So I've practiced 24-hour period in the seven-day week and, and uh, got Sabbath there. Uh, the Lord said, if you will rest and in my presence, in, in my presence is a key word there, then I will work. But if you want to work, then I'm going to rest. And I went, mm, I think I'm going to let you work. <laughs> if, if, if you want to keep the responsibility and the weight of what you're carrying on your shoulders, uh, you can do that. But if you want to, on Sabbath, you can give it to me and I'll take it. I went, hmm, I think I like that. Right? And then he showed me it's not just in that 24-hour period. The truth is we should be walking in this all the time. And the Lord said to me, throw away your tank. Have you ever been around someone that you, they said, man, my tank is empty? I, 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 for years, I've, I've, I've been filled up and then poured out and had to go get renewed. He said, throw away your tank. What the heck does that mean? I want to be a river of living water mm. flowing into you and out of you. As it comes, let it go. So what I'm doing with you, I've never done before. I've never done it this way before. I am actually flowing, I believe, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And you're a part of it. So we're, we're playing a bit of ping pong. I'm going to hit the ball. You need to hit it back. Okay, let's see where God takes us with this. But let's look at Matthew 28, 18. I want you to, you, you didn't know that you were coming to an English class today, but I want you to look at the verbs there and, and tell me what the verbs are. In 28, 18, 19. Go. Go. Baptizing. Baptizing. Teaching. Teaching. Observe. That's good. So out of all of that, what which one is the is the imperative or command? Go. Y'all look at it. Everybody agree? Yeah. Does it go? It's also make disciples. Make make disciples. All right, that's interesting. So what version have you got? Um CSP. Yeah. CSP. Uh Holman. Yeah, that's the Christian, Christian standard. standard. Yeah. Okay, it's close to what yeah. I've got HCSP. All right, so the word go is actually a participle. Mm-hmm. How about that? 
<laughs> it's a participle. What is a participle? It's that. How do you make a verb a participle? The I in, at ing. I've right. never heard that word before. A participle is a word that has ing, a verb that has ing on it. Right? So the, the actual, the better translation of it going. is going. It's even stronger than a command. Why? But it is assumed that you are going to be going. <laughs> right? Going. Now, what, what, uh, what other command do you see there? Make. Okay, so all of the verbs there in what Jesus tells us to do are participles except for methodicity. I, I love languages, y'all. Mm-hmm. I study Greek and I love Greek. Mathetusite means make disciples. Mm-hmm. That is the imperative. It's assumed you're going to be going. And as you go, you do these other things. And the command is really to make disciples. Make disciples of what? All nations. Everybody say all nations. All nations. All nations, right? So, if God says it, and it's a prophecy, what does that mean to us? What does Acts 1.8 become? And what does uh, Matthew 28.18? Rather than a command to go, if it's a prophecy and it's going to happen, what does that make Acts 1.8 to us? Promise. A promise? That's tied in with prophecy. An expectation? Like the how. The how? Inheritance. Instead of a command, it is a, and, i give you a hint. It's an. Anticipation. Action. Starts with an I. Oh. Inheritance. No, uh, some, uh, uh the, somebody. <laughs> I love it. That's the worst. The second letter is in. In like a instruction. And then a V. Invitation. Invitation. <laughs> so so the, to see the gospel going out to the whole world, it's a prophetic statement, and there's an invitation for us to be involved. What happens when one sinner sinner comes to know Jesus? There's a party in heaven. Y'all, when unreached peoples come to know Jesus. Can you imagine the party down in heaven that's going on? It is an invitation for us to join in with the greatest party ever. Right? Yeah. And it's going to happen. It is happening. So God is giving us an invitation to understand his heart so that then we can go out and give his heart as his ambassadors. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, how are y'all doing? Good? I, can I ask a clarifying question? Yeah, sure. Um, so are you saying Matthew 28, 18, and 19 is an invitation, or is it Acts 1? And... Both of them are. Okay. So, so um, just wanted to clarify. Yeah, I, 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 it's, it's stronger to me in Acts 1a. Mm-hmm. That's the reason we started there. Yeah. But Jesus makes a statement. Here, look, let me give you an example. I can't get anybody to go to Iran because it's kind of tough over there. And, uh, you know, there's, by the way, the church is growing there. It's one of the most thriving churches because 
in persecution, there's a tendency for the gospel to take root and grow in exponential ways. But we can't send a missionary over there, right? Jesus said, if, these, if, if you do, do not praise me, what? The rocks. the rocks will cry out. The rocks will cry out. So what is that? What are they going to cry out? He's holy. He's Lord and Savior of all. Declaration. Is that not a declaration? We can't get a missionary to go to Iran. So just chuck a rock over it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. How will they know unless somebody goes to speak it out, right? But but the fact is, it's going to happen because Jesus said it will happen. Now, it's an invitation. You can be a part of it. I'm, I'm telling you this because we need to kind of take the crack of the whip out and the, the pull of the, the lasso off of us so that we can understand. Look, you don't tell princes and princesses what to do. Mm-hmm. And once we're born again into the kingdom of God, everybody say, kingdom of God. Kingdom, kingdom of God. God. Okay, you're going to, listen, anytime I ask a question, 99% of the time, if you just say kingdom of God, it's going to be right. Okay. <laughs> but I want you to say it in a different way. Say kingdom of God. Kingdom of God. Okay, I want the pillars to shake and smoke to rise up when you say it this time. Kingdom of God. Say it that way. Kingdom of God. Right? I love having Aaron Hurd in the room. That's when he does it. He goes, kingdom of God. He knows, right? Mm-hmm. So anytime you get me coming in to speak, you're going to get kingdom of God. I'm obsessed with the kingdom. In fact, Matthew 6.33 gives me permission to make it the first. What, what you got? I just underlined it. You just underlined it. What does it say, Samara? It says, but first seek the kingdom, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be provided for you. Seek first. Tell me some other place. He says, seek first. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Everybody say kingdom of God. Come on, make the pillars shake and the smoke come up. Say it. Kingdom of God. By the way, David heard has got Aaron's voice. Yeah. If you're in the room, I'm going to get you to say kingdom of God. And the Aaron was standing us. I said, say it. They go, kingdom of God. Aaron goes, kingdom of God. Right? We're going to talk about this, the kingdom of God. How significant is it? You don't tell princes and princesses what to do. God is wanting to give you authority, not take it away from you. And and that's what we're about in in the body of Christ, is restoring authority to those that Satan, the old thief, murderer, has been trying to take away. That's the reason when Bella came up to to pray for me, she said, may I put my hand on your shoulder? I'm sorry. It's cayenne pepper in my head. <laughs> <laughs> Got some fire up in there. <laughs> Bless you. Uh, bring order to that in Jesus' name. Uh, so so the, the sometimes spiritual ministry is actually abusive. 
because we step into places we haven't been given an authority to step into. So if somebody's not asking us to step in, so the goal is to, to live in a way that makes them ask you to step in. Wait, right? what, what, what did you just say? Uh, uh, let's, let's, it's going to be unpacked this whole time because I'm actually going to be living this out in a model to you. It is so ingrained in me. I've received this, and so therefore I live in it, and I can give it. But spiritual ministry sometimes can be abusive because we step into places in which we have not been invited. Mm-hmm. So what, you, you, what we're to do is to live in a way and speak in a way that uh, Paul says, pray that the door would be open to me, that we might be able to speak live, uh, speak with a a salty kind of language that makes people thirsty and with grace at the same time. Mm -hmm. So we might know how to answer everybody. Be be salty, not assaulting. Ooh! Mm -hmm. Man! Chris, text that to me. (laughs) So, so we are, we are, uh, we're given this authority uh, but instead of cracking the whip and telling you what to do, mm. the, the Lord gives us an invitation and he says, if you want to, just like he did with me, Johnny, you can rest and I'll work. But if you want to work, I'll let you. God is about giving authority back to us. Mm. So that should bring some security to you if God begins working in your heart in this room and you go, boy, the Holy Spirit's doing something here. You can say yes to that. You can say, no, not right now. Okay? So, let's back up and look at Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 1. What time did we take a break? Um... Between 11.15 and 11.30, okay. whenever you get ready. Yeah. All right. So, um, in Acts chapter, let's read starting in verse 1. But let me, uh, so, so I, I'm going to interrupt you a bunch of times when you're doing this. So, don't get feeling for somebody's reading and I still stop. Okay? But somebody start in verse 1. Acts 1, 1. Acts 1, 1. I'll start. Okay. Go for it. I wrote the first narrative. Like, stop. Who is I? Paul. Luke. 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 Paul. It's actually Luke. So, Luke, what was, what was Luke's occupation? He's a doctor. He's a doctor. So, he's pretty methodical and detailed in about whatever he records in the Acts of the Apostles. Some say... The book of Acts is the record of the apostles' obedience to the Great Commission. When we spend time in the book of Acts, you'll see that it's not a record of their obedience, but it's a a record of their reluctance. Because Jesus says in chapter 1, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost, and it takes nine chapters before they get to going out of Jerusalem. Okay, the apostles. We'll talk about that. So, 
Um, Luke is writing. All right, pick it back up. Start again and pick it that back. Pick that up. About oh, start it all. Okay. Yeah, first one. I wrote the first narrative. Okay, okay, stop the second. He said first narrative. This is not the first narrative. What 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 is the first narrative? Okay. The Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. That's right. So the first narrative he wrote was the Gospel of Luke. And if you read the Gospel of Luke, you'll see details that you don't find in other places. Each one of them has a different perspective. So the Gospel of Luke. All right. I'm going to let you read just a little bit further now. Just done. About all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Okay, stop. So now he's saying the book, the Gospel of Luke, is about everything that Jesus did before he was taken up. Right? And uh, if, if we had a description of everything he did, we, none of there would be no book and no library that could hold everything that that Jesus did. No book could contain it all. But the Gospel of Luke was about everything that he did before he gave the Great Commission and before he was taken up. All right? All right. Okay. Verse 3. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs. Appearing to them over a period of 40 days. Time out. So he appeared to them over how many days? 40. So this is after his what? Resurrection. After his resurrection. Between his resurrection and his ascension, how many days did he have with them? 40. 40. 40 days. Now, if we're listening to someone's last words with intensity, and they are with him for 40 days, do you think that we might need to listen with intensity there, right? Okay, so what, what does it say? Read that last verse again. After he had suffered. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. About what? The kingdom of God. The what? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Where's Daniel? He's sick. Oh, no. He didn't. His heart rate was kind of up and all. Oh, okay. All right. You you did it that time. The kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God. So, Luke, the specific guy, the doctor, he, he sums up everything that Jesus did after his resurrection, before his ascension, and he put one topic on it. What is it? The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Do you think the disciples got that? Mm -hmm. Somebody else read, starting verse 4. Okay. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days he will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? Okay, now this is interesting. They've had the life of Jesus showing his heart for the world. 
I mean, we have some of the miracles that he did that we, it was not to, he, he said two times, I've never seen such faith. Who did he say that to? Gentiles. Gentiles. Mm-hmm. Mm. What happened in the temple the time that he really got upset? Like what were those people there? Yeah, what, why selling. did he get so upset in the temple? They're selling. Selling what? Tables. What did he? Why did he flip the tables? It actually says he fashioned the whip. So this was premeditated. Okay. We're, so how do we translate that well, these days? Like one of those books we have the prayer that you made it in the dip. Okay. Like, I tell you, and then start like flipping tables and like. Ooh, he was upset. Going right? around. Right. So, how, how do we how do we apply that in these days? How do most churches apply that? Don't sell stuff on Sundays. Don't sell stuff on Sundays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Bookshops closed. Well, no, yeah. people were used like people then they had to use sacrifices to cleanse their sin. But they were people that were selling stuff. They were selling into the temple. They were using the practices God put in place after Egypt as a way to make money. But they were also taking up a space that was for right the Gentiles mm-hmm. to okay. go into. All right. So yeah. I want those of you that have been around this this my teaching in particular. <laughs> I want you to hold on to it because I want them to get frustrated. Oh, I... <laughs> now I want you to get frustrated. Uh, Brianna yeah, just answered. So what, what, what you said, so what you said was, it was, it was, it was uh, they were taking up space in a place that was to be a house of prayer, mm-hmm. right? But it says not just house of prayer, but house of prayer and worship for all, all people. nations. Nations. Oh. I feel like people would work. All people. No, it's nations. All nations. Everybody say all nations. All nations. The one place that the Gentiles could get in. It was the court of the Gentiles. The one place the Gentiles could actually get into the temple. They filled it with tables. He flipped the tables because they made it a, a, a place of, of, of sell, buying and selling. And it was a, the one place that the Gentiles could get in. House of prayer for all nations. You'll see in some of the Gospels, it'll say just a house of prayer. It's a house of prayer for all nations. These disciples saw that. What's more, they had spent 40 days with them. You want to look at the 40 days? Let's, let's try to do this quickly because I don't want to take too much time, but I do want to get your uh, hunger and thirst up for something. If this is the second narrative, what's the first narrative? The Gospel. Luke. Luke. Go back to the Gospel of Luke. And let's look what we have in the the 40 days that Luke has with in in his Gospel. Let's look at the the one area. What happens in Luke's Gospel (laughs) when he's talking about uh, Jesus already resurrected before he was ascended? Where do you find that? I'm talking about when he's walking with God. (laughs) You're right. You're going to see that's the answer. Chapter 24. What happens in chapter 24? Have resurrection morning 
And then the next, uh, starting verse 13, yeah. what do we have the story of? The road to Emmaus. By the way, y'all, wouldn't you like to go to a healing seminar with Jesus? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, wouldn't that be cool to be at, what would it? What would it be like? Can you imagine what the notebook would be? <laughs> yeah, I can. <laughs> I give you authority. Go do the stuff. Okay. That's what it was. Let me let me get them frustrated a little bit, Chris. <laughs> You're as bad as David Purvis. I'll ask a question and David will answer it before anybody else gets a chance. No, I love it. It's good because you got it and it's flowing out of you. Right? What would it be like to go to a healing seminar with Jesus? How big is the workbook? Hey man, you can just throw that thing away. Because here's his seminar. Be healed. He didn't have to say in the name of Jesus because I mean, he is. (laughs) Be healed. And then he goes, now you guys go out and do that. Right? No instructions. Just go do it. He sent the 72 out. They came back in shock. Right? So, So here, I want you to see something. What happened on the road to Emmaus? Somebody summarize it. Don't give the whole story. It was on the road. They met two people. I don't know if they were part of his disciples or if they just did. They knew who he was. They were talking about what was happening. And then it's like they walked together and they were just like with him. And then, what is it? They go to like dinner together or. Yeah, okay, look, look at verse 15. That's a good summary of what you just gave. He, he, he says, but they were prevented from recognizing him. Jesus, in verse 15, while they were discussing or arguing, Jesus came near and began to walk with them, but they were prevented from recognizing and And he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other uh, as you're walking? Did Jesus know? Yeah, what happened to him. So, well, I mean, he knows everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, when God asks a question, it's not for his information; mm-hmm. it is for your revelation. Mm-hmm. So, he is wanting the these disciples to recognize what they were talking about. He understood it. We're we're gonna we're gonna take a break. Just a sec. Says so, and, and and has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Until <laughs> now, nothing has ever occurred to Him. You can't surprise Him. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? <laughs> he sees things from an eternal realm. We are walking in the linear, temporal realm. <laughs> He already knows what's coming. And he gives us the freedom of participating in the decisions we make as we go. So Jesus knew, but he asked a question. And uh, they say, what? You don't know? Are you the only person that doesn't know? And he says, what thing? And, um, and he talk, they talk about Jesus. And then he says, verse 25, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets had spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into, and enter into his glory? Then, this is key verse here, because this is Jesus's, this is Jesus's 
seminar on the missions basis of the Bible. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. He Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So starting where? What is what is Moses? The law. The law. What's the first book? Genesis. Genesis. So starting with Genesis and going through the prophets, he explained all the things pertaining to himself. Who is himself? God. If we're talking about the kingdom of God, who is he talking about? God. If we're talking about the kingdom, he is talking about the king. So he's showing them everything pertaining. Luke has recorded it and he put the topic on it, the kingdom of God. This is the 40 days. And the textbook that Jesus used was was Moses and the prophets, right? They came near to the village they were going, and, and he gave the impression that he was going further, but they urged him to stay with us because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over, so he went to stay with them. It was as he reclined at the table with them, and he took bread. Watch. He, look at me. Get the video. He took bread, and he blessed it, and he broke it. Did that remind them of something? Yes, he broke the bread, and and uh, and he gave it to him. And then it says, verse thirty-one. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. As soon as they recognized him, all of a sudden he was gone. Right? Look, the eyes get opened at communion. There's another table. It's the table of the devil that was prepared back in the garden. And what happened to them there? When they ate of the apple or the fruit, what does it say? Their eyes were open. (laughs) All right. So that was not a good eye opening. This is a good one. Their eyes were open. They saw him. Uh, and, and it says, verse 35, then they began to describe what had happened. So, so, all right, so verse 33, that very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said that the Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he had made known to them, he, he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. He's already taken them from Genesis through the prophet. But then, as they're telling them about this, verse 36, and as they were saying these things, he himself stood among them. He walked into a room that was closed. He, he, he has a body that, that you can actually touch and feel, he told Mary, don't touch me because I haven't uh, been glorified yet. And, and he said to Thomas, reach out your hand and touch, right? But he came through the walls and appeared in front of them. Look what he did. I'd like to believe that it was kind of like when he disappeared from those guys. Let's just look at Hello. <laughs> Mic drop. 
right? So he he's with them. And look, verse 44. We're going to finish up with this. So this 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 is uh, verse 44. Then he told them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets, now he adds the Psalms. Basically, it's everything that we have in the Old Testament. That was all the scripture the early church had. And Jesus spent those 40 days with the textbook of the scripture explaining to them, look what it says, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And then Luke in, in Acts chapter 1 says the topic was the kingdom of God. He showed them himself, the king, and the kingdom through Genesis through Malachi. He revealed himself. Now he had lived out the gospel that they wrote about in the four gospels. And then Paul and Peter and James, they write more, John, write more uh, to the churches to help them to understand what, what all this is about. So you have the letters to the church, right? So he lived out the gospels with them. He, he uh, we'll go back to Acts chapter one and we'll wrap this up and then we're going to go back to Genesis. But let me just ask you as we, we finish this time, we'll, we'll take a break. Anybody got any questions or comments? Are you tracking me? Wouldn't you like to have been there with Jesus when he went from Genesis through Malachi, mm-hmm. revealing the king and the kingdom? Mm-hmm. I've got his outline, y'all. I'll give it to you. Oh, there's a question. What, what you got, Ellie? Why are the Psalms only included after? Yeah, that's interesting. It does say all the scriptures in the yeah. other. Yeah. But 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 it, it does. He added to the Psalms there. I just yeah. I love the fact that Luke doesn't miss a detail. Mm-hmm. He says, you know, the, the, all the Psalms too. Mm-hmm. Wait, where does it say that? Forty four. Forty four is where he added the Psalm. Uh, but on the road. On the road in verse twenty-seven, it was the it was Moses and the prophets, but it says he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. So, y'all, that's what they had in the scripture to be able to proclaim Jesus, and they used the written word to proclaim Jesus. It was it was uh, maybe twenty years later that the first. New Testament books were written. How about that? The first one we suppose would be First Thessalonians. That's 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 my thought. First Thessalonians. I've been tempted in First and Second Thessalonians. Yes. Is he like summarizing all of Scripture by saying Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem? Yes. And it has all nations in that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, You're a disciple. You think you got this? 
He's gone from Genesis through Revelation. No, he lived through Revelation, but Genesis through Malachi. Do you think they're getting the all nations part? Well, here, the yeah. one I got, love this. Malachi um, chapter 1, verse 11, which says, But my name is honored by people of every nation from morning till night. All around the world they offer incense and give offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations. Woo! Come on. That <coughs> they have to get the nations part of people. That says, my name is honored among all nations. Got to. All nations. When, when uh, about four years ago, five years ago, I got a vision of another 1040 window. Do you know what mm. the 1040 window is? Yes. I got a new vision for 1040 window. Mm. It was I-10 and I-40 that goes across the U.S. Mm. And the Lord showed me that that's a 1040 window in the States that is meant to be an answer to the 1040 window in missions. Where's I-10? I-10 goes from Jacksonville, Florida, all the way to L.A. I-40 goes from Wilmington, North Carolina, all the way to L.A. And it makes the point of a spear pointing towards the, the 1040 windows. Wow. So, yes, I think he, he is showing us that we are to be the answer to all of that. All nations. And that's what we're going to see when we go back to Genesis. That's where we're We'll, we'll, we'll finish up in Acts chapter 1 when we come back. Even as we're ministering to others, recognize who the true enemy is and recognize who the true uh, healer is. And our goal is to take people, drop them through the roof into the presence of Jesus. And what Jesus does, where the enemy is trying to remove authority, he, Jesus is giving us authority. So when somebody came to him for healing, well, not every time, because we, we in our uh, men's group, young men's group that meets on Monday nights, we flesh this out a bit. But not every time, but most of the time, they they would you have one crying out, "Son of of David, have mercy on me!" And what is what does Jesus say? Do you remember what does he normally say? You got a lame, uh, a lame person or a blind person. Do you want to be well? Go a little bit broader. Come. What? Come. Okay. Come. What's his specific question? What do what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. What do you want? Where Where does that authority go then? Back to them. So now your goal is to find the seeker. There's a bit of a seeker and a scoffer in each one of us. There's a bit of a king and a fool in each one of us. If you address the fool, you'll get a fool's response. If you'll find the king and the royalty, which is one that is seeking, then you can give an answer to their questions. We're out there giving answers to questions they've never asked. That's the reason we can't cookie cut our evangelism and we can't cookie cut our missions. We've got to go and know the people, know their question, knows their issues, and ask them what do they want. Poor guy sitting at the gate and he goes, Have mercy on me. Jesus says, What do you want? Can you imagine if that guy said, I need a dollar? Right here. Right? 
What do you want? It's giving authority back to the person. A victim is someone... See, what happens when an abuser hits a victim is they, they remove their authority. They've crossed a boundary that they shouldn't have crossed. So when someone is abused, then they've had their boundaries crossed. And what Jesus is wanting to do is restore the boundaries. So if I ask somebody, may I lay a hand on you, and they say no, I go, on with that. I want that authority to rise up in them. I want them to feel that they are in control. And sometimes when I'm praying for folks and I've let them down into the presence of Jesus and, and they're like floating inside, I can see they're going, whoa, what's going on? I saw that happen with y'all uh, in, in, in Nashville that night. I was going, you are a radical group. You just dove right in. You were just like, yes, whatever, God. And I, I'm seeing you, you know, some of you are going, shh. You know why people fall down uh, when they're getting ministered to like that? You know why? Because, thank you, Chris. <laughs> Would you let let them answer that? Sorry, <laughs> Hold on, wait. He's got I'm so, this. I'm so I know you are. You've got what I'm talking about. I want you to wrestle with this. The reason they can't is because they can't stand up anymore. <laughs> that was not a very wisdom answer, but it's a yeah. funny answer. So the our goal... Is the kingdom of God. Oh, there you go. Thank you. <laughs> so so the deal is when we're ministering to people, and, you know, here, here's the situation. Someone's in the presence of the Lord. I start seeing their eyes do the little fluttering thing. I can't remember one of you. One of you were... Your, was it you? Yeah, Brooklyn. Your, eye, your eyes were fluttering. I said... I turned to somebody else and I said, you do that. Try to do it right here. And you couldn't do it. You can't make your eyes do what was going on. And I'm watching this. It's almost like they're having, potentially having an out-of-the-body experience. And they're going, I'm out of control with this. You know what I'll do? I'll say, hey, wiggle your toes. And they'll go, okay, I'm still here. But the goal is to get them back into the authority that they, that has been robbed from them. Okay? So, um, we, we'll talk a little bit more about this, all right? But um, all of this applies because when we go into other cultures, what we're looking for is where they are seeking. I'm going to show you how I've done that in some cultures. There's an excellent book that I would recommend to you. Eternity in Their Hearts, written by Don Richardson. He, he's gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, I knew him, but he was one of the he, Canadian. He, he was uh, uh, one of the most well-known Christian anthropologists, uh, Don Richardson. He wrote Peace Child and Eternity in Their Hearts. Eternity in Their Hearts actually details what God has done in other cultures where he has put his thumbprint in their culture that brings out the seeker in them. And if you can help them find in their own culture, Don Richardson. With an example of that, he like like you sharing the gospel from the alphabet of China. It is, and I probably am going to do that at some point. Would y'all like to see some Chinese characters? Sure. I'll I'll write some Chinese characters and show you how to go into another culture and find the thumbprint of God. 
See, it's all about seeking. I said it Sunday, said it yesterday. God told Samuel to go to the house of Jesse. Wouldn't it have been much easier if he just went, hey, go get David. That would have been a lot easier. It would have been, but God delights in seeing the seeker in us. He wants us to be discoverers. It's the heart of God to conceal a matter, but it's the heart of kings to search it out. I think that's Proverbs 25, 1, 2, or 23, 1, 2. Heart of God to conceal a matter, but the heart of kings to search it out. We're royalty. We're born again into a 99 times, 99 percent of the time, if I ask you a question, you say, we're born into a what? Kingdom Kingdom of God. So what does that make you if you're born into the kingdom? A child. An heir. Yeah, an heir. Co-heirs with Jesus. Gosh, y'all getting chill bumps. If you're co-heir with Jesus, what does that make you? Royal. Royal. And that's where we're going. All right. And, and nothing frees us more in Christ than knowing our identity in Christ. Mm-hmm. That's good, Chris. That's good. Let's go back to Acts chapter 1. Did anybody else have a question or a comment? All right. I've given the, the thinkers time to have written that down. Now you know what I do. You'll you'll get the, the way that I operate. You all okay? Everybody all right? Mm-hmm. Go back to Acts chapter 1. Let's read that passage again. Here are the disciples. They have been with Jesus and seen him in operation. The Messiah, the promised one. They've seen him in operation. They have now spent 40 days with him. And he's teaching on what? 99% of the time in class. The kingdom of God. He is, he is. He has taught them about the kingdom of God. That's the subject for 40 days he's been with them. And he's been talking about the... Say it again. Come on, make the pillar shake. Kingdom of God. Have they got it? Come on, you disciples, have you got it? You've been walking with me. You've seen me flip the tables because of the... The house of prayer for all nations in the court of the Gentiles. I'm mad about that. I'm giving you the commission. Going. Make disciples of all nations. Everybody say all nations. All yeah. Nations. Have they got it? Have they got it? Look, 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 look what they say. And while, verse 4, while he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. This, he said, is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. What ends up happening at Pentecost when they're baptized with the Holy Spirit? What happens? They minister to all the nations that were gathered. All the nations. This is Pentecost. This is a time when God-fearers from around the world actually come to Jerusalem to find the monotheistic creator God that the Jews were proclaiming that was in the Word. They, anybody that had an inkling of a seeker in them, they would run to Jerusalem at Pentecost. So all of these different languages are represented there. The Holy Spirit falls on them. He's prophesying that this is going to happen with them. You think they're getting this? I mean, this is packed with, with information. It's packed with destiny. It's packed with the heart of God. So when they come together, verse 6, they ask Him, 
Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? Well, here's the, here's the video version of Jesus' response. Look, he's been talking about the kingdom of God. He's been living it out. He's gone from Genesis through Malachi. He's lived out his life laid down for the nations. He's given them a great commission, a great prophetic statement is about to come. But he, he's telling them the promise of the Holy Spirit's coming. Get ready. And they go, so uh, is now the time that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? <laughs> the kingdom of Israel? Are you re- restoring the kingdom of Israel? <laughs> He's been talking about the kingdom of God. And they're going, this, so is now the time for the kingdom of Israel? <laughs> Watch, here's the video version. Watch, this is Jesus' response. Can, can, can we video that? Can we video that? <laughs> you can. You can. So here, here, here it is. This is this is the this is Jesus's response to the disciples when he he has taught them about the kingdom of God, gone from Genesis through Malachi, and and he's made this promise that the Holy Spirit's going to come. He knows what Pentecost is going to be like. They're going to speak in the tongues of all of these others. It's coming. That's where he's headed. He's headed to Acts chapter one, verse eight that the power was going to be on them. They received power to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost. And so he's he set this up. He's hit the ping pong ball. And they hit the ping pong back, ball back by saying, and he's been talking about the kingdom of God. And they go, is it now that you're restoring the kingdom to Israel? And here's Jesus' response. This is the, the video version. Just imagine that. We don't know that. But I would do that if I was him. I mean, you guys don't get it, do you? You don't get it. Nevertheless, he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when we get to Revelation, we find in heaven every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. How does God see the world? Where does our map of Europe come from? People. Who said that? Oh, that was right? Okay. Yeah, that's right. It comes from people. When? One of the the most current uh, pictures of, 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 of the political structures of Europe. Where does it come from? When was it redone? Um, The the political countries, when we think of nations, we often think of political countries, Mm. right? Where does that come from? What are the political boundaries of the border? Mm -hmm. You were right. 
Don't right people. What? War. From war. At the end of the war, the winners redraw the boundaries. Redraw the boundaries. No, the winners create um, something to create peace. And in that contract of peace, like, since you did this, we're going to take this. So go beyond the political boundaries when you think of nations. The word in Hebrew is going. The word in, in Greek is ethne. What, what do we get ethne? What do we get from ethne? Ethnicity. 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 I feel like I'm in a linguistics lesson. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of comes with the territory with me. But All day, eth- every day. Ethnic, every ethne, every ethnic people group, not just the political boundaries. Mm. So in heaven, what do we find? When John sees Jesus in heaven, when he sees the throne... When he, when he hears all of that happen in Romans 5, I mean Revelation 5 and 7, what does he see? Every tongue and tribe and nation. All of the different language groups and ethnic peoples represented in heaven. Oh my goodness, what a diversity. You know? Sometimes people used to think that when you get to heaven, we'd all speak one language. King Jimmy. King James. With a thousand D's. That's the way it used to be. But but the truth is, I believe all different languages are going to be spoken in heaven. God loves the incredible diversity. Every, Every sunrise and every sunset is different. Every leaf has a different structure. Every person has a different personality and gifting and and experience, and and every one of us, God loves this incredible diversity that He's created, right? Mm-hmm. The the whole picture of what we find here in Acts one, before Jesus ascends, is that that His kingdom is about all nations. Mm-hmm. It will expand to the uttermost. Now let's go back and pick this up from Genesis chapter. Chapter 1. Y'all, if I just gave you stories, because I've got so many stories to back up what we're talking about from the Scripture, but if I just gave you stories and didn't tie this to the Scripture, then you would you could be uh, uh, basing your understanding about God's heart for the nations out of my own, own person. Mm. But you need to understand that my heart for the nations comes from my understanding of the Scripture. Mm-hmm. The scriptures help me to understand where God's heart is. And I've been so moved by what I found. So let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Does this seem laborious to you? No. Are you, are you, I don't know if that word means. What, laborious? Uh, labor, uh, kind of a... Uh, is, is this too much hard work going okay. and looking through the scripture? Are you all okay with that? Mm. So... Baseball is uh, first fourth mentioned in the Bible. You know that, right? In the big inning. In the big inning. That's it. <laughs> so in the beginning, in the beginning, God, one of our friends in college got saved out here in the city, 
state, by the way, there are moves of God that have happened in this area that you, you've actually stepped into a ship that's moving. There's some prophetic things that have been spoken of this place, lived out in this place, and you've stepped into a ship that's moving in the near. One of my friends who came to know Jesus out in the state, he preached a sermon, his first sermon, it, 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 it was titled, In the Beginning, God. <coughs> first topic, In the Beginning, God. And he went from Genesis through uh, Revelation. The whole thing, he just went through it all. We got saved and got on fire there. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We get on down to, go down to, to verse, um, we kept saying it's good, it's good. Verse 26, somebody read this, read that out to us. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. They will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. Keep on, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. Okay, boy, there's so much about God's image in this. First of all, God's talking to himself. Somebody sent me a text the other day and said, do you ever find where God counseled himself with the word? And I went, yes, Genesis 20. 67 and John chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning John says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and you find out that the word was Jesus so Jesus was in the beginning Jesus Holy Spirit and Father were all having a conversation and they designed man we said they said we're going to create him in our image there's one God three Three persons in one God, mm-hmm. even there at the beginning at creation. So God says, let's make him in our own image. So God stamped man with his own image. He created him different from all the other animals, all the other plants, everything else in creation. God, this, this came to me that God actually, when he was creating the earth and, 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 and the light and the darkness and, and all of the, the plants and the animals, he, he was doing this with man in mind. Before the creation of the earth, he knew you. Before. So in, in all of time, before, he saw Jesus dying on the cross. In, in, in creation, he was... Where do our medicines come from? Don't say Big Pharma. But Big Pharma has capitalized on something that was before that. Really, I think alternative medicine was actually not the alternative. That was the first, and pharma came after that. But uh, originally, the the medicines that big pharma makes now came from what? Like plants. Plants. Yeah. Plants and minerals, and you know they worked out the chemical calculations and came up with this concoction, and they uh, artificially would make it and bring those things, and boom, here we got some medicines that. Help fix this. God made creation to be an answer to our wholeness. So so there are some unexplored areas. If we would just activate the seeker and some scientists right now, there may be somebody sitting in this room that has the ant that will discover the cure to cancer. Some things are already happening with that. God made creation. With man in mind. 
He, he made all of creation with man in mind so that man could walk in wholeness because of what he created before he created man. So all of the things that man needed for wholeness. Let me try to say it again. Everything got started out and I'll try to finish it. I, I have it. Try it. Okay. Uh, it was God made creation to be an answer to awareness. That's it. Thank you. Yeah. Not to get you too distracted, Mr. Lindwick, but um, where did we get the word uh, pharmacy? Yeah. And um, what is it? An- an- answer it. Go ahead and say what it is. Witchcraft. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. So I, th- I believe that there are things, y'all, I went through a time about uh, two years ago. Anybody that's been around here at New Horizons knows that I went to the bottom of the pit. I, I actually thought I was going to die by the end of 2021. I was so bad that I could barely put a sentence together, and I had a hard time buttoning, buttoning my shirt or tying my shoes. Mm-hmm. And I thought by the end of 2021, I was going to be gone, dead. And God met me in the midst of that. Uh, we took a nine-month sabbatical. When do we finish in here? I want to be mindful of the time. One? Okay. Um, uh, when when um, God led me into a sabbatical, Debbie and me into a sabbatical, we had a three-month soft start in which I resigned from being on board at Wyoming, Nashville. And any other board that I was on, I canceled all speaking engagements. I canceled all travel. I unplugged everything and, um, and t- took three months to do all of that. And then I had three months of a hard stop. And, um, and in that hard stop, we, were, we spent two months in California and one month in Dolphin Island, uh, uh, Alabama. And then we had three months of a soft reentry, but, um, I was, I was at the end of myself, and um, in California, some Marine, a Marine called Debbie up. We landed in Redding, California. I know the folks at Redding and Bethel. I told, told everybody, don't let them know that I'm coming out there. I don't want anybody to know I'm there. Debbie said I slept for the first two weeks and, um, in Redding. We were there for a month in Northern California. And... Um, and um, the Lord met us there, but then Debbie said at the end of that month, she said, we've got to go to Los Angeles. And I said, Los Angeles, why? She said, this Marine from Starfield area says that you need to go. He landed in L.A. the day we landed in Reading, and he, God has healed him from cancer at this place that he's, he's been visiting. And I said, well, tell me about it. She said, well, it's alternative medicine. And I went, I am not going. I will not go that stupid new age crap. I'm not going to be around and I just, I'm not going. And she said, you have told me to make all of our decisions and you've let me do that this whole time because you have unplugged and you're telling me you're not going to go. I said, I'm not. He said, we've got to go for one day because he's already paid for the first day. This Marine had paid for my first day. And we got to LA and y'all, the first day I went to this place, and the guy that, that runs this um, this clinic there is one of the, the smartest people I've ever met, and I've met a lot of smart people. But And he impressed me right off the bat. 
and, uh, and they took a test of my blood. They showed me, I, I saw it under a, a $250,000 microscope, electron microscope, and he oh, showed me blood. What's that? It's a Ferrari. Yeah, I'm telling you. I mean, he goes, look at this, and he slides a slide under, and I'm watching my blood still alive, and I see white blood cells emptying garbage out of my red blood cell. I saw my blood all clumped together, and he said, that's not very nice. That's pretty messed up. And he zooms in on one slide to slide over, and he said, see that little wiggly thing in that red blood cell? I said, yeah, and he said, that's a parasite. Now, he prayed before we started any of this, and he's showing to me. I'm a skeptic, okay? I'm just telling you that that's a part of me being a seeker. Is I just don't trust it. I don't trust quickly. And you've got to kind of prove it to me. And, uh, and you know, what's that? Yeah, it's true. And, and so, so I'm watching all this, and I'm seeing it. And, and he finishes the whole session. He said, let's do a selfie. And he holds up his camera, and he goes, one, two, three, Jesus! And I go, what? That's something I would do. How are you doing that? And, and, and I began to give myself into this alternative medicine. I did some weird stuff out there. But the, every time we started a different modality, they would pray. And I'd go, okay, well, God, it worked that first day, and it's getting better. So y'all, at the end of the first week, he said, he said, this has been good, but you need another week. And so he took me through another week. And Debbie was there with me. Y'all, within the first week, Debbie had had double vision with her eyes. We'd been to all of the specialist doctors. We'd been to UAB in Birmingham, to their medical facility, saw neuro-optician that looked and worked with her eyes. We could not get any resolution. Everything she saw was double vision and had been that way for four years in the first week, her double vision was corrected just by being around me and what I was going through. Wow. They were doing light therapy and frequencies. And y'all, just the word frequency stirs everything. Because in 1976, I took a course called Physics of Sound out of Mississippi State University in my freshman year studying music. And there I learned things about frequencies that sent me on a course that... Uh, y'all, I, I'm all, I've been all about frequencies, and I talk some frequency terminology to this guy, and I realize he knows more about it than I do. I've never had conversations with anybody else. It's been inside of me, mm-hmm. trying to search out and understand frequencies. Mm-hmm. I'm freaking out, watching all of this. After the end of the second week, you need another week. Y'all spent four weeks out there, and, and they did this for free. I got fifty to $60,000 worth of medical treatment. And they didn't charge me a penny. The Marine paid for the first day. Here's here's what I want you to catch. The stuff that they were calling alternative medicine, that New Age movement has, has, has kind of grabbed, just like LGBTQ has grabbed the rainbow. Uh, that the 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 these, and I'm not trying to make a blanket statement about that. If 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 that's an issue in anybody here, I want you to know that Jesus loves you, and He's bigger than any of the the uh, identities that we claim for ourselves, okay? I I simply refuse to use any identity that doesn't come from kingdom. Anything that doesn't come from the kingdom of God is a messed up identity. In fact, you can correct anything by by putting kingdom in front of it, okay? It's the only thing that you can put before it that will correct it. Mm -hmm. Kingdom evangelism, now you've made it right. 
Kingdom mission. Now you made it right. Kingdom family. You see what I'm saying? So, but what has happened is we have taken let New Age movement and and even some things that are are demonic that have taken over some of our terminology and some of the things that God has put into creation. He knew what he was doing before he created man. He created everything around us to be for our benefit so that we could be for his benefit, for his glory. You got that? Mm-hmm. Let's summarize creation in, in, a, in a few statements. But let's look, let's look and see what, where he takes it. Because verse 28 is where we find the first great commission. This is God's first statement about what the uh, what man is to do. There's two expressions of creation of man, one in chapter 1 and one in chapter 2. And it gets a little bit more detailed in chapter 2. But verse 28 gives man's purpose. It says, God blessed them, male and female, he blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. Look in verse 26. It says, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and the livestock on the earth, and the creatures that crawl on it. He stamps man with his image and makes him, gives him the commission to rule. What kind of word is rule? Good. Y'all are getting it now. Ask a question. You say kingdom. Most of the time it's going to be the right answer. It's a kingdom kind of word. It's take dominion. What kind of word is that? Kingdom. Kingdom. Kingdom of God. And so God, and, and then what, what's the destination? Kingdom. Okay. What is the kingdom destination? Everywhere. Over the whole earth. What he's saying is, I want you to expand my kingdom around the whole globe. Anywhere that man goes, it should be more kingdomized. And the more things get kingdomized, the more you get kingdom eyes. You can see the kingdom where the kingdom is coming. So that first great commission was for them to multiply, grow in number, uh, fill the earth, the whole, what kind of word is subdue it? Subdue. Kingdom. Kingdom, it is. Subdue. I used to know that one in Hebrew, but I can't remember it's not coming to me. But subdue it, it's a, it's a cool word in Hebrew. Um, it, it, it feels forceful. Rule the fish of the earth. So it's kingdom. So God gives man this kingdom word. And now I'm going to tell you something. That, so I've been teaching about this for since the mid-2000, about 2004, 2005, where spiritual father came. And his name's Jack Taylor. And he came to Starkville and, and spent time with us. And he said... Uh, uh, he, he, he taught about uh, the first night he talked about the kingdom of God and the next day we talked about the kingdom of God just he and I did and then that night he talked 
about the kingdom of God. I'm going, Jack, okay, I think I got it. Kingdom is important. And he goes, no, it's not important. It's everything. The kingdom of God is everything. And I'm going, okay, I think I'm getting it. By the third or fourth day, I'm going, Jack, you're blowing me away with this. I, I really think I'm getting it. And I, I, said, uh, I said, I'm getting it. And he said, no, it's kind of like the guy that was trapping the bear. He said, you're not getting it, John. I said, what do you mean? He said, the guy tracked the bear over this hill, down through the valley, back around in a circle, over the next hill and through the valley. And he tracked this bear for, for days. And then all of a sudden he realized that he wasn't tracking the bear. Mm. The bear was tracking him. Mm. Once you start searching for the kingdom, it's not about you getting the kingdom, it's about the kingdom getting you. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about the kingdom. And Adam and Eve had this command now to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over it. That's what we do when we garden. Any place that a human sets foot should be more beautiful because we've been there. Mm. Should be less chaos and more order because the kingdom of God brings order. So wherever we go, we should be bringing the kingdom with us. But I want you to see something. This is what God hit me with during my sabbatical. Here's what he told me. If you don't get Sabbath, you're going to die. If you don't understand what Sabbath is, you're going to die. You know, it's a pretty serious thing when you look in the, in, in, in the Old Testament. You see, when we talked about folks that were not observing the Sabbath, consequences were great. It's a serious thing. It's so serious. In the, it's, it's actually in the Ten Suggestions. I mean, commandments. It's in the Ten Commandments. Suggestions is so passive. It is, isn't it? But that's what we've taken. Yeah, that's so true. So, so it's, it's in the Ten Commandments. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Keep the Sabbath. What does that mean? It's not just taking a break. Taking a break is just another day off. It is. Go proactively. Here's what the Lord showed me. To really Sabbath, I need to spend time enjoying the Creator and His mm. creation. Yeah, that's in His presence. Enjoying Creator and His creation. So let's look and see what happens here. Chapter, chapter 2 of Genesis. Let's see how this great commission is carried out. So the heavens and the earth were, and everything in them were completed. By the seventh day, God completed his work and, and that he had done. So seven days, on the seventh day, he had completed it. And it says, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. God blessed the seventh day and declared it holy. For on it he rested from his work of creation. When did he create man? The sixth day. Sixth day. And what did he say to him on the sixth day? It was very good. It was very good. Yes, but what did he tell him to do? Be fruitful. Be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. Subdue. Kingdom. This is a commission, y'all. He gives the commission on the sixth day, 
And then on the seventh day, he says, now let's chill. <laughs> Come walk with me in the garden. <laughs> if our commissions would be fulfilled by resting with him in the front end, we would see so much more done. So, y'all, some would say obedience is, is uh, imperative. There's a word that precedes obedience. It's, and this, this is hot off the press. This is two months earlier. Kelly is here wording it to me. There's a word that precedes obedience. It must precede obedience because if not, you may be obeying out of your flesh. When you're passionate and fired up and young and ready to rock and ready to roll and get out there, and you're obedient. Oh, I'm the king of God, Betsy. I'm, I'm going for it. There's one word that should precede that, and it's surrender. If you start with surrender, you not only get his direction. This is what the Lord showed me. This is like two months old, three months old revelation. He showed me when we surrender, we not only get his direction, but we actually get his strength, his power. Now we can obey out of his strength, not of our own. And the reason we need to observe a Sabbath day every seven days is because it needs to get us addicted to living in Sabbath every day. That means living out of his own strength. How am I able to stand up here and talk and make coherent sentences before you when I didn't sleep so well last night? When my wife was not feeling good at home, and when and I, you don't, I don't, you don't want the, the garbage truck that 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 is behind me to continually just dump out before the Lord. How can I do it? It's not because my tank is full. It's because I'm living a stream of His strength. So now it's not about obedience to a command. It's about surrendering to an invitation. It's not about obedience to a command. It's about surrendering to his invitation. I used to lift weights. I was in high school. I know you can still tell that from my physique. <laughs> yeah. and, and so I, I, lift, I lifted weights in high school and, and, and loved it. I, we use these Olympic weights. The bar alone is 45 pounds. And you put these other big uh, heavy weights on the end of it. And it looks like you're not doing much. And I was in the gym one time. My, my two coaches, my coach, they took me on, personally trained me. One was second in the world. In, in the U.S., sorry, in the U.S., in, in the super heavyweights, and the other one was like third in the States in the heavyweights in collegiate uh, weightlifting out of Mississippi State. We were in Subtle Hall down below. It's not even there anymore at Mississippi State. Subtle Hall was there down in the basement. I was there with that bar and a few weights on the end, and I was doing bench press, and two guys came in that had never lifted Olympic weights, they used like weights from Sears and Roebuck that were, they were like a five pound bar and, and the weights on the end were encased in plastic. 
So it looked like it was a lot, but it wasn't anywhere near. And they saw me lifting, and, and they started snickering and laughing, and it made my coaches mad. And I didn't think anything of it. I was just doing my weights, and they said, um, said, hey, would you like to try this? And the guy goes, yeah, man. And he comes over there and lays down on the bench to do the bench press. And as he's laying on the bench, he said, is, is this enough for you? And the guy goes, no, man, throw some more on it. Oh, no. So they put some more weights on the end of it. And I'm standing there going, oh, this is not going to turn out very good. Oh, no. and, and so they put these weights on it. And, 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 and Kelly, he reaches over and pulls it out. And he says, you got it? The guy goes, yeah, I got it. I got it. He goes, you let it go. I got it. And he let go. And it goes, wham! Oh. It crushes down on his chest and rolls down on his neck. And he goes, <laughs> And my coach goes, come on, you can get one more. <laughs> That's what it feels like when you're walking in the flesh and not in the spirit. God didn't intend for it to be that way. You will get weary and a strong person will wear out. And so the weariness and the heaviness of trying to be obedient without surrender means that you aren't, aren't going to be Understanding that his yoke is easy mm -hmm. and his burden mm -hmm. is light. So now when I feel the heaviness of any situation, y'all, I left y'all. Y'all were in a crisis situation, weren't you? Yeah. Do you know what I did the next week? I'm talking to my, one of my pastor friends in Albuquerque. I saw on Facebook, his wife said, my precious son. And I went, I loved it. On Facebook, I loved it. And then I read some of the comments. There's 10 people that comments. She'd only put it up just a few minutes before. They were consoling her. I'm going, what happened to their 43-year-old son that I love so much? Is he okay? And I just called the pastor. I said, Alan, what's going on? And he said, uh, well, what do you know? I told him what I just read. And he goes, John, Anthony took his own life last night. I was in shock. I wept. I couldn't even talk. I was so choked up. I was of no use to that brother. I couldn't say anything. And uh, and y'all, I got off the phone and I said, I'm going. And my daughter Hannah began working on my tickets and she booked the next flight out of BTR to Albuquerque. And I went out to Albuquerque and I spent three days with my dear Pastor, brother, just being there. Mm -hmm. Not saying anything, mm -hmm. but just being there. Mm -hmm. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. You want my job? The truth is you do. You're destined for this. Mm -hmm. You're meant to bring healing and wholeness to everyone. And the only way that it can happen is if you're real with the pain that's inside of you and let God come in and flush out the toxins and the poisons in your pain and bring you to a place where you're living in stereo. Mm -hmm. Where you're living with pain without the poisons and toxins and yet live, and then therefore living in peace. Pain and peace at the same time. That comes from surrender. So that's my little exposition on Matthew 11. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. When I feel the weight of the burden, here's my immediate statement now. 
This is hot off the press. This is about a month and a half old. I go, God, this is not my problem. This is your problem. And you know what you're doing. Nothing takes you by surprise. You're not wringing your hands. A picture of God when we pray sometimes. Oh, God, what are you going to do? God's up there going, oh, I don't know. You've really gotten yourself in a mess this time. No. You know what you're doing, and you've got this. I don't. So I surrender. Now, that heavy burden is not mine. It's his because I've cast it on him. Because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Get this on the front end of your missionary journey. When you have the burden for the nations, for the lost, the burden for those that are broken the most, you can't do what needs to be done in your own flesh. It's out of surrender to him that you begin to be filled with his spirit. This is Being filled with his spirit is living in Sabbath. Now he's doing the work, not you. All right, I want you to just take a deep breath right now. God created you to take a deep breath like that. Someone told me, they said a little baby when it takes that first death, deep breath, is saying, <laughs> I feel that power, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Live from his breath. Get this. As you get the commission, as you get the invitation, that you don't try to do this in the flesh. Fully surrender. When it becomes too troublesome and burdensome for you, when fear enters and anxieties and struggles, Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive Holy Spirit. Just remember this, at the the dawn of creation. Some people, when you talk about Sabbath, they go, yeah, let's talk about Sabbath. You think it's on Sunday, on Saturday, or on Friday? Have you had those discussions? Good. Some people want to argue about that, and I just go, if somebody wants to argue with me about that, I just hug them. They want to fight me, I hug them. They can't fight you if you hug them. Right? If they're drawing a circle that excludes you, you draw a circle that includes them. Just love the hell out of it. That's a wholesome word, hell, then. I'm, I'm correcting my terminology these days. I've had someone caution me about being loose with it, but this, love the actual hell out of people. Mm-hmm. Bring them to Jesus. Mm. I'm not minimizing that word by saying it that way. 
because people are living in hell and they need it loved out of them. You hear? Feel the weight of that. But Sabbath is so much more than a day. Hebrews chapter 2 and 3 talks about the Israelites going into the promised land. He says, they got into the promised land but didn't enter into his into their rest. And the Lord said, Sabbath, there you go. <coughs> Just breathe in as you're getting revelation and let the Lord restore in you. They went into the promised land and didn't live in the rest. And that means that while they lived in the promised land the whole time, they were meant to be living in the rest of the Lord. Every day should be Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. Mm. You get Jesus, you get Sabbath. You get Holy Spirit, you get Sabbath. You get the Father, you get His design for the Sabbath. So start out this journey in, in missions, recognizing and surrender, recognizing that you're getting everything you need for the journey, He's giving it to you. Just keep surrendering. When it gets too much, surrender. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So that what's left, you know what it says in Hebrews 12? The unshakable kingdom. It actually says that. got 10 minutes. I want to finish with the, giving you an opportunity to ask questions. But do you get the perspective? You know, I, I just, I love Genesis. I love Genesis. I could just, I could just, <laughs> just eat Genesis. It is so rich and so full. But if you would, just print over a couple of pages. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. One of my favorite guys in the Old Testament. Enoch was 65 years old when he fathered Methuselah. And after the birth of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and fathered other sons and daughters. So Enoch's life lasted 365 years. 365 years he walked with God. If you read some of the extra biblical material, the book of Enoch, it's not in the canon of our scripture, but it is quoted in other passages. Um, I don't I don't look at the book of Enoch as being as authoritative as, as what the word says. But it, in, in the book of Enoch, in chapter 3, it says that Enoch, when he was 65 years old, he retired from the evil ways of men. I thought, oh, I saw that. 65 years old, is that where retirement age came from? <laughs> 65 years old, he had Methuselah. Okay, and then he died 300 years later, but something happened because it says that he secreted himself with the Lord. Enoch walked with God and he was not because God took him. He began walking with God because he was so frustrated with the wicked ways of men. He retired, got away from it, and secreted himself with God. Y'all, the secret to you having strength to carry over is found in the secret place with the Lord of surrender. Secret yourself with the Lord. And you'll get the Sabbath that Enoch walked in. 
until it actually says that he was not, for God took him. He's one of the guys that did not die and was taken up into heaven. How many people have, has that happened to? What two? Jesus took them. Elijah. Elijah and Enoch. Well, he actually did die, though, didn't he? He was raised. How many more? We don't know. We only know of two. But who else? Are you going to walk with God that way? Secret yourself with God. Walk with Him in the eternal realm so that the temporal realm becomes, first of all, it becomes more clear because you get heavenly perspective. Be seated in the heavenlies with with God. And let your affections be set on things above. Heavenly minded means you can now do earthly good because you get direction and you get strength. Right? That was for free. I wasn't even going there. So, so let's look in chapter 6. So when mankind began to multiply on the earth, so they did a good job multiplying, right? And the daughters were born to them, sons of God, saw the daughters of mankind were beautiful, uh, and, and they chose his wives for themselves. Then the Lord said, My spirit will not remain with mankind forever because they are corrupt. They're corrupt. They multiplied, but did they fill the earth with the kingdom of God? What did they fill the earth with? Look at verse 5. When the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth and that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved. In his heart. (coughs) So what happens? Verse 8. Noah, however, found favor in the sight of the Lord. Look at verse uh, 13. Uh, No, verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with the wickedness. Not the kingdom of God, filled with wickedness. Verse 13. For the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. But he's going to establish his his covenant with Noah. So you have the Adamic covenant. and Now you have the Noahic covenant. So do a study about covenants. Can't go into that right now. So what happens? God, uh, God, God blesses Noah and his three sons and three daughters, three daughter-in-laws. Look at verse chapter 8, verse 17. Y'all okay? I'm going a little bit faster here. Won't you get it? it? says, and they will spread over the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. Does that sound familiar? Verse uh, 21, I will never again curse the ground because of man, even though man's inclination is evil from his youth. I will never again strike down every living thing as I've done. Chapter 9, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, 
Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So what's he telling Noah to do? The Great Commission again. Look in verse chapter 9, verse 16. And remember the everlasting covenant between God and all the living creatures on the earth. What happens next? What's the next big event in, in, in Genesis? Babel. Babel. What does God tell man to do? Fill, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth with his kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. Scatter. Everybody say scatter. Scatter. Scatter over all the earth. All go in. All nations. Look at chapter 11. Uh, in fact, the verse right before it. The nations were on earth spread out from these after the flood. 11.1. At one time, the whole earth had the same language and vocabulary, and people migrated from the east, and they found a valley in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to each other, Come, let us make oven-fired bricks and use bricks for stone and asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. Let us make a name for ourselves, not name for God, name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be, what? Scattered over the face of the whole earth. God's command was what? Scatter. Scatter. What is man's response? Gather. Gather. They are holy huddle. God says scatter, man says gather. In fact, we actually have gatherings. <laughs> Why do we gather? If it's not to scatter, then something might be messed up. The Tower of Babel was because they came to gather, not to scatter. Look at verse 8. See the result of it. So from there the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. God says, look, this is a prophetic thing. It's going to happen. You're going to scatter. Verse verse 9. The Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Now, we're going to stop with this. Genesis chapter 12. We have the Adamic covenant. We have the Noahic covenant. And when you get to chapter 12, you find the Abrahamic covenant. From this point on, God is known as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because it comes back to this very covenant that God makes with Abraham. So just, let's just look at this. Have y'all studied this in your school? Have you? I don't have the answer. I'm not in there. Last okay. all the time, sorry. Have y'all, have y'all looked at, at, at um, the Abrahamic covenant? No, we have not. We're not. Y'all are not even going to write them No, okay. <laughs> we have not. I've just done it in Bible college. Okay. Abrahamic Covenant, chapter 12. Oh, look, look what it says here. The Lord said to Abraham, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation that sounds like Kingdom of Israel. And I will bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. So here's the statement. We are blessed to be a blessing. The reason we're blessed is so that we will be a blessing. If, we, if the blessing stops with us, then we miss it. So you're supposed to receive something that you then give out. 
I will bless those who bless you and will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. How many? All. Some? All. All of them. Every one of them. <laughs> all of them. Every tongue, tribe, and nation, every ethnic group in the world is meant to be blessed by the blessing that God gave to the kingdom of Israel. Kingdom of Israel. Let's be the kingdom of God throughout the whole earth. Now you study through the rest of Moses and the prophets and Psalms, you'll see, clap your hands, all ye peoples. Let all the peoples rejoice. Why does it say peoples so often in, in the psalm? Peoples means people groups, language groups. We're meant to go to all of them. They're going to be represented in heaven. We have the, the end in mind. We know what it's going to look like in heaven. In fact, Jesus says, in Revelation it says this, the kingdoms of the earth will become the kingdoms of our God. At Christmas time, we say, His name is Wonderful Counselor. The, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government, what kind of word is government? Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. And the government shall be upon His yeah. shoulders, and of its increase, there will be, be no end. end. His kingdom is ever expanding. Just when you think you got it, you realize you don't have it. It has you, and there's more to seek in it. His kingdom, it's all about His kingdom. You get His kingdom, you get His heart for the nations. You get His heart for all people. Because every people group, and what we'll do tomorrow when we come together, I'm going to show you some of the thumbprints that I've found in other cultures. And I'll tell you a few stories about how I've seen people come to know Jesus just by finding the seeker in them and leading them to, to, to Jesus. So many stories I have are on airplanes. That means I've traveled way too much. <laughs> but uh, one of the things I'll share with you is what Chris alluded to and with some Chinese characters. I'll teach you some Chinese. But uh, I got on the plane one time. There was this man. He had hat and sunshades on. And his, he was with his wife. She had a hat and this little baseball kind of cap and sunshades on. It was in L.A. I'd flown in from Asia. And, um, and we were all sitting together. The man with... Two of his kids, or one one kid was sitting beside him in front of us, and another kid was across the aisle with another one, and I was sitting by the mom, the wife, and uh, we stuck up, we struck up a conversation, and she um, she asked me what I did, and I told her I was a missionary living in Asia, and she got really fired up about it, and I said, "What about you?" She said, "I'm in the entertainment business." I said, "What does that mean?" Flying to Memphis, she said, "Well, um, I said, are you an actress?" And she goes, "Yes, I'm an actress." I said, "Like on television or in the movies?" And she'd already told me her name. And y'all, I'm, I'm just not up 
I'm the latest and the greatest and whoever anybody wants. Now, if I, I looked her up after this conversation and I realized who she was and realized who her husband was, if I would have been sent by him, I would have known because it was Bruce Willis sitting in front of me and, 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 uh, and I'm talking to his wife and I have no clue who she is. She had introduced herself as Demi Moore. And I didn't know who Demi Moore was. Oh I said, so are, are you famous? She goes, oh, well, I said, I said are, are you on television or movies? She said, well, I'm in a series right now. It's called Hospital. And I went, I don't know Hospital. I don't know what that is. You know, she, and, uh, and so I, I said, so are you famous? Like, should I be getting your autograph? And, you know, at one point, I can't remember when it was, but at one point she took her sunshades off and looked at me. Like, yeah, you, know, yeah, you probably you know, I'm going. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> and, uh, and 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 y'all, her guard just went down because I wasn't there to you know, give her all the praise and law and all. She began to ask me what I did in missions, and I told her about orphans and. And she said, well, actually, we're flying to Memphis and going down to New Orleans. We're doing a benefit down there for some kind of big gala in, in New Orleans. And she talks about that. And I said, that's great. She said, well, do you speak Chinese? And I went, yeah, I actually do speak Chinese. She said, you can Can you write Chinese? And I went, yeah. In fact, I'll share with you. Because I'd already asked her if she believed in Jesus. And we'd had a little bit of discussion about that. And she was kind of, hmm. And uh, uh, I said, oh, yeah, I'll show you how I share about Jesus from Chinese characters. And she goes, oh, that's great. I did the first, char- first character, and she goes, oh, my word. I did the second one. I did four characters for her, and I shared with her how I did it. And y'all, she, was, she just opened up. It was like everything inside of her. All the walls came down. And all the openness came up. And uh, she ended up, you know, we... we Said farewell to each other, and um, off she went. Um, why did I tell you this? Chinese characters. Chinese characters. Yeah, we'll, we'll look at, at, at some Chinese characters tomorrow. That'll be one of the first things we do when we start. And I'll show you how to find uh, something of God and other where has he begun to work in another culture, another, another tribal group? You tap into that, you tap into Sabbath and do an evangelistic commission. Find what God's doing and join him. Because hmm. his heart's already out there. All right?